Today I wanna follow up and uh, talk to you about one of the things that I really believe is hindering us from making the right decisions. I wanna talk to you about getting out of your feelings today. And uh, I think um, a lot of people are stuck, not really because they're stuck. I think, I think their feelings are telling them they're stuck and they're, and they're not. And I wanna, I wanna talk to you about how to get out of your feelings today because so many people are in their feelings. Anybody get into an argument on Thanksgiving? Family members, politics, something like that. You know, Alabama versus Auburn. What, you know, I don't know what you fought over this week or, or anything like that. Or even in your relationship with your friends or your spouse or whatever, something happened at work. But so many times we get trapped and we get trapped in our feelings. And I want to talk to us today again about how to get out of our feelings. So if you would, let's go to Luke chapter four. And I think I think this is going to encourage you. I think it's going to challenge you. And uh, I really believe that um, you're going you're gonna to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. And because uh, really, that's the only thing that can that can change you is to feel that conviction and to respond to that conviction. The Bible says here, in Luke chapter four, verse one, I'm going to read the first three verses. It says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. It's pretty obvious, right? And then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So Jesus, who is full of the Holy Spirit, is led by the Holy Spirit. 40 days he's tempted. 40 days he, has eat, he hasn't eaten anything. The Bible says he is hungry, and at this time, when he's hungry... The Bible says the devil tells him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So, Father, in Jesus name, we pray over these next few moments that you would speak a clear word to us. God, we came to hear from you. Maybe we're here this weekend and we've brought family with us and and uh, we're just excited that our family is with us. And maybe maybe we're distracted today. Maybe we're here because somebody made us come. Maybe we're here today because we really wanted to be here. I don't know why every person is gathered in this room, but I do know this. They are here for purpose, on purpose, because of you. And so I believe with all of my heart that you have something to say to every individual that's gathered in this room today. I pray that our ears would be open to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. I've said this a few times over the past 20 some years of preaching. I've said I've made this statement. Whatever you are full of, you will be led by whatever you are full of. You will be led by. And I get that statement from this portion of scripture where the Bible says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by that same spirit into the wilderness. Sometimes our inability to make the right decision is the result of being led by our feelings. Because our feelings were never intended to really be a guide. They were always intended to be a gauge. They were meant to tell us where we were, what we were putting our hope in. They, they were wired into us, and they are wired into what we value, what we believe, and how much we value those things, and how much we believe in those things. Your feelings are like this. Your feelings will keep you in indecision and then beat you up because you didn't make a decision. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So like, you've got to learn to, to stop being led by your feelings. And now, I'm not telling you today to ignore your feelings. You can't do that. 
I'm not even necessarily telling you to change your feelings because if you keep trying to change your feelings without the power and the spirit of God, you're just fighting a fight you're gonna lose every single time. But if you can be full of the right things, you can be led by the right thing. Come on, somebody. If I can get full of the spirit, then I can be led by the spirit. Sometimes the reason we're, we're led by our emotions is because that's what we are full of. And so if I want to change how I'm being led, then I have to change what I'm filling my life with. I'm not trying to change my feelings. I'm trying to be filled with the right things. I need to make a decision to change who I'm being led by. Because here's the thing. The feeling that most of us are looking for is on the other side of a feeling we don't like. That victory, the victory that you're looking for, the fulfillment that you're looking for sometimes is on the other side of a feeling you currently don't like. So right now, maybe you're battling with fear and you really want victory on your life. Well, victory is on the other side of fear. You can't keep running from fear and get the feeling that you want in your life. At some point, you're going to have to stop running from your feelings, hiding your feelings, and you're going to have to fight your feelings. You fight your feelings by making just a few decisions that I want to help you make today. Here's the first decision I think we need to make. I think we need to begin to choose calling over comfort. I, I need to, on a daily basis, decide that I'm going to choose my calling over what's comfortable in my life. The Bible says here in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it said, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's an amazing thing to me that when I see God leading people throughout the Bible, he is not always leading them into places that are comfortable. Most of the time when God is leading you, he's going to lead you into a place that is uncomfortable, into a place that you don't feel like you have what it takes to even be there. But I promise you that when God leads you into a place that is uncomfortable, he has already planned for your victory. He has already planned for you to win. He has already planned for you to succeed. He's given you everything that you need to do what he's called you to do there. And so sometimes we avoid we avoid tough situations because our feelings say, man, that's scary. Man, that's going to be hard. Man, that's going to be difficult. Man, that's going to be really uncomfortable. But I'm thankful for Jesus, come on, who did some uncomfortable things. And because he was uncomfortable, he, the Bible even says about him that he, he made some decisions based on the joy that was set before him. In other words, he wanted the joy of us coming to him, but he couldn't just make that happen by just thinking it was going to happen. He actually had to go through this experience. He he had to go to the cross. He had to go through some uncomfortable things so that he could experience the joy that he had as a vision for his life. Has anybody got something good that you're looking towards? And I'm just telling you today that the only way you're going to get there is you're going to have to walk through some very painful things, very painful things. So I choose my calling over what's comfortable. Second thing, I choose God's wisdom over the world's culture. I choose God's wisdom over the world's culture. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. How many, how many in this room have ever started out doing something, you thought it was the right thing, but it ended up being the wrong thing? Just throw your hand up in the air if that's you. Yeah, I, I've experienced this verse firsthand in my life where I, I thought I was doing the right thing. My emotions even made me feel like I was doing the right thing, but I... It, it didn't end the way I thought it was going to end. So I've got to make sure that when I'm making decisions, that I'm choosing God's wisdom 
over the things that are going to lead me to an eventual death and destruction. And the way I do that is I begin to fill my life with godly things. I can't be convicted by a verse I never read. So, so I've, got to, I've got to choose calling over comfort, and I've got to choose wisdom over the world's culture. And here's the third, here's the third one. And this connects to our relationship series. And we're going to spend most of our time here today. I've got to choose godly relationships over what's convenient. <laughs> Some of us have relationships in our life, and the only reason they're there is because it's convenient. It's, it's who we grow up with. It's who's in our family. It's who we work with. And we build relationships. We build one of the most important things we're called to build in our life out of convenience. Just whoever's close by, whoever's in proximity. And if I look at my life a year from now, my life is truly gonna be the results of the relational decisions I made over the next 12 months. My life, if, if when I get into next year, and I look back over how my life has gone the past 12 months, I can point all of the results to the relational decisions that I made over those previous 12 months. Not just my relationships with people, but the relational decision I made about God. The relational decision I made about the activity of the Holy Spirit and his convicting power in my life. The, the relational decision I made about the house of God. Am I gonna have a relationship with God's house? Am I gonna have a relationship with God's people? And so I have to make up in my mind, hey, I'm going to choose godly relationships and godly relationships take time. They're an investment. Sometimes it's not convenient, but godly relationships are worth it. So I have to choose godly relationships over what's convenient. See, in your life, you've got, you've got one or two types of people. You've got people that are carrying you to Jesus or you've got people that are carrying you to a gate. Now, there are two different stories of people that were carrying someone who couldn't walk in the New Testament. There's one story in Acts chapter three where these people would carry their friend or their brother. It was a family member of theirs and they would carry him every day to this gate to beg. They would carry him to a gate to beg. And then there were other friends in the New Testament. The Bible teaches us that they carried their friend to the top of a house and dropped him down into a room where Jesus was. And in your life, you've got people in your life that are either carrying you to a gate or they're carrying you to Jesus. How many of you are thankful for people in your life that are carrying you to Jesus and not constantly carrying you to the gate to beg? So, so I need people in my life who will carry me to Jesus. And in the case of this man who had people who were carrying him to Jesus, watch what Watch what these relationships look like. First of all, they could do what he, what he could not do for himself. In relationship, you don't need sameness. In relationship, you need movement. In relationship, you don't need convenience. In relationship, you need movement. In relationship, you don't need people like you. In relationship, you need movement. In relationship, the power of relationships are in their uniqueness. 
It's, it's the power of two people coming together. It's, it's the power of a man and a woman coming together in marriage. In marriage, the power of marriage is not two of the same people getting together. It's two different people getting together. It's a man and a woman with a different personality, different mindsets, different giftings coming together, and the two become one, and they become a powerful tool for God to use in the earth. That's the power of relationships, is that two people that are, that are different come together. The power of your relationship is not, that, is not in the fact that you both like the same football team. The power of your relationship is not that you both are, are, are athletic and you like to play sports together. All of that stuff is fun, but you really begin to tap into the power of relationships when you put people in your life who can do what you cannot do for yourself. And this man was humble enough to put, him, put himself around people who could do what he could not do. Sometimes when we are trapped in a situation, we like to, we like to surround ourselves with people who are, who are in the same situation that we're in. Because for some reason, it provides some level of comfort. And what we really do is we like to put in our life people who are, who are like us because we like to compare ourselves with them and be like, I might be this, but at least I'm not that. And so it's comfortable to have that kind of person around us. But I need people in my life who can do what I can't do because they can carry me where I can't carry myself. This man could not have gotten to Jesus without his friends. When you're full of pride, and you're unteachable. It destroys your ability to grow. It destroys your ability to change because when you're unteachable, you won't put people in your life that, that will help you. You won't put people in your life that can teach you. You won't put people in your life that can take you places that you have never been before. When, when, you are, when you're full of pride, your life is full of excuses. Your life is a life that's blaming others, and your life is just pretending that everything is okay. But I don't know about you. I'm just the type of person, like, like I, just can't, I just cannot pretend that everything is okay. Like, if it's not okay, I need to let somebody know that it is not okay. Like, this morning, there was something going on with the sound during first service here in worship, and I'm texting somebody, this is not okay. Like, you, you know what I'm talking I'm the guy, like, if I see something, like, I have, to, I have to come in, and some of you see me come in, like, right after church starts, because I like to come in, because I like to come in and hear how the room sounds, and see how things are going as people are operating and doing their things, because I want to see if everything is okay, because if it's not okay, I'm going to tell somebody that it's not okay. Is anybody in the room like me? You're like, I, I'm not going to sit on a bed and pretend to be okay when I can't walk. I'm not going to sit on a bed and act like everything is okay when I truly don't feel like everything is okay, I need to let somebody know that it is not okay. Can somebody in the room say amen? Like, there, there just needs to come a time when I'm walking with the Lord where I just look at my life and say, this is not okay. Like, this, for me to be battling with this thing for 10 straight years, this is not okay. I just cannot become comfortable with everything the way it is. I have to get out of the place that I am. And the only way sometimes for me to get out of the place that I am is to put people in my life that are going to tell me, hey, bro, this is not okay. There's something better for you. Let me help you get. But if, but if I'm full of pride and I keep blaming others, then I'll push out of my life every relationship that came to bring change. Every relationship that came to help me get closer to God. Every relationship that came to help pull me into relationship with Jesus. Everyone. Some people leave churches not because they didn't like the church, but because they couldn't stand the conviction. 
They couldn't stand coming to church every week and somebody saying, hey, it's not okay. You're not okay. And I get it. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to get comfortable with not being okay. It's not good to stay not okay. And I think in the day we live in, so many people have just kind of settled into, okay, this is good. Don't, don't do that. Bring people alongside of you that are gonna challenge you and tell you, hey man, there's more for your life. You need people in your life who can do what you can't do so they can take you to where you can't get on your own so you can become who you could not be on your own. You have to surround yourself with people that don't have your limitations. Because you need people in your life who can, who can see and point out the things that you keep trying to hide. Man, we're, we are good at, at hiding. We've been good at hiding since the beginning. In Genesis, God comes to the garden and Adam and Eve have, have sinned. And God's like, where are you? We're hiding. We've been hiding. We've been taking cover since the beginning. We've been pushing stuff under the bed since the beginning. I'm not surprised when I go into my daughter's room and she says, hey, my room's clean. And I open up her closet and everything that was on the floor is in her closet. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked. I'm like, oh, how could you? Oh, my. No, I hide stuff, too. I just don't hide all my stuff in the closet. We all hide stuff. We are, that's, our, that's our lower nature. It's to hide, and God's light comes not to just expose your, your, your bad stuff. No, God's light comes to, to help you say, hey, you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to stay over there. You don't have to be locked in that. You don't have to stay on that bed any longer. You actually can come up out of this. Don't get lost. Don't get trapped. Don't get stuck in your feelings. You need people in your life that are going to pull you out, to, to, that are going to talk straight to you. Genesis 39 and 5, the Bible says that Joseph had such a strong favor on his life that it blessed the Egyptian's house. He was living with a man named Potiphar, and everything in Potiphar's house was blessed because of his connection to Joseph. Listen, the right relationships will bless your life just because they are in the room. The right people will bless your life just because they are in the room. Now, these relationships are not convenient. These relationships are difficult. This relationship didn't happen out of convenience. This relationship happened because Joseph had been betrayed by his family and thrown into slavery, and now he finds himself in Potiphar's house. This relationship didn't happen out of convenience. This relationship happened because of pain. This relationship happened out of inconvenience. And some of the best things that are going to happen in your life are going to be inconvenient. Some of the best things that are going to happen in your life are not going to be on your schedule. Some of the best things that are going to happen in your life are outside of the margins of the the parameters that you have set for your life. The things that you're willing to do and willing to not do. Some of the best things that you're going to experience are out there. You know, when God sends a relationship, he's not sending you company. He's sending you help. The Bible literally talks about a wife as a help me, someone who is there to help. When you, when you get married, that person is there not for company. God sends you help. 
Most of the time when you're looking for a relationship, when you have a relational void in your life, God isn't just wanting to send you somebody to hang out with you. He's wanting to send you somebody who's going to help you. Sometimes you can recognize whether or not God sent somebody in your life if they come into your life to help you or to just hang with you. And what we do, what do we do? We listen to what I talked about just a couple weeks ago. We listen to loneliness. And what loneliness tells us, loneliness tells us that we're not good enough for better relationships. That we should just relationally, we should just take what we get. I should just settle. I'm not, I'm not good enough for a better relationship. I don't deserve better relationships. This is, this is as good as it gets for me. And that is not what God has intended for your life. Don't settle relationally. You don't have to settle relationally. Listen, the person who is constantly desperate for companionship will be in constantly bad relationships. You will consistently be in bad relationships when you are desperate for a companion. Just somebody to hang out with, just somebody to be with, just somebody to sit with you, just somebody to talk to. When you're desperate for a relationship, you're always going to make bad relationship choices. But when you, here's the importance of knowing who you are, because when you know who you are, you won't just settle for anything. You won't just settle for anybody. You've got to, you've got to know who you are. So three things real quick, just to recap. First thing, I choose calling over comfort. I choose God's wisdom over the world's culture. And I choose godly relationships over what's convenient. How do I do that? How do I make these choices? How do I make better choices? How do I make these better decisions? Oh man, you've got to respond to this really ugly word nobody likes to talk about in church. It's a really scary word. It's the word conviction. You have to learn to respond to conviction. John 16 and 8 says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. The Bible's talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Watch this. Remember, we talked about Jesus. He was full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. I cannot be full of something I keep rejecting. I can't be full of something I keep rejecting. Holy Spirit comes. You've done something. You've done something wrong. You've done something that disagrees with God's word. The job of the Holy Spirit is to come to you and tell you that's wrong. Not just tell you that's wrong. That's not his only function. But his function is to not just tell you what you're doing wrong. But the Bible teaches us that he's going to lead us and guide us into truth. He's going to show you what's right. So my job is to say yes. The Bible teaches us in the New Testament that the only sin that is unforgivable, people are like, can this be forgiven? Can this be forgiven? Yeah, everything can be forgiven. The Bible says except for the sin of blasphemy. What is blasphemy? Blasphemy is to reject the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because I can't, I can't forgive you of something that you don't believe is wrong. That's it. Yeah. So when I reject the Holy Spirit, I can't be forgiven. I can't receive God because I don't think I'm wrong. 
Paul wasn't saying, oh man, you're gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna say a bad word and God's just gonna be like, that's the word that I just can't get over. No, you're gonna commit a sin. You're like, you're gonna get to a place where you've, you've just, you've slept with too many people. You've done too, you've gone to too many. You've watched too, you've, and God's gonna be like, I'm sorry, that's just, that's the limit. No, no, I can keep saving you and I can keep filling you as long as you receive the conviction that I bring through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to convict you of your sin and then to guide you in truth. I cannot be full of something that I keep rejecting. Now, we don't always reject the Holy Spirit when it comes to the big stuff. But man, we reject him on a daily basis when it comes to little stuff. And we make excuses for our bad attitudes, for our gossip, oh, for our complaining, for all of these things. That the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to come convict you of all the bad stuff, all the big things, all those like real nasty things that you think of in your head when you're thinking, oh man, at least I'm not that. At least I don't do that. No, the Holy Spirit wants to come and convict you of, of oh my goodness, of raising your voice to your wife when you're angry, but you don't want to receive that. And when you don't receive that, then you cannot be led by something that you keep rejecting. I have to receive that conviction that the Holy Spirit brings in my life on a daily basis. And so this is what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to live a life of repentance. A life of repentance. See, when you get saved, you get saved. The Bible says that when, when, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, he, he saves you. And when he saves you, he saves you. He doesn't halfway save you. He all the way saves you. And he seals you with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. But there is a process that God is trying to take you through called sanctification where you don't become a better version of you. You become more like Jesus. See, the goal is not a better you. It's not a rehabilitated you. It's that you would look like and represent Jesus in the earth. Romans 8 tells us that those he called, he also foreknew. Those he foreknew, who he also called, and those he predestined to be what? Conformed into the image, into the likeness of his son. The goal is that we would look like Jesus, not a better version of us, not like us 2.0, not like us 2.5. I'm version 3.1 today. There's a version 6.0. That's my goal. I need to get, no, 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 no. That's not the goal. The goal is to look like Christ. And the only way I can look like Christ is if I respond to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that will come into my life and he will tell me when I'm not right. And if I respond, then I can receive and then I'll be full. People are like, I just want to be full of God. Do you? Because to be full of him means you have to eliminate a lot of other stuff. See, because God does not occupy a couch. He sits on a throne. He's, he's not going to sit on a couch with his arm around your bad attitude. And I say bad attitude because I have one. Like, that's the, that's the one thing where God is dealing with me. Like, like watch this. A couple weeks ago, I preached a message called How to Deal with Difficult People. Sunday night, I'm at a restaurant. And I'm having a great time with friends. And behind us is a table that's annoyed by our laughter because their, their lives are horrible, apparently. So they start to mock our laughter. Well, what does the pastor of the group do? 
Lord, we're just gonna sit here and just pray for everybody. You know, we're just gonna, no, the pastor gets up and says, I'm sorry we ruined your terrible dinner. <laughs> Three weeks before that, I'm at a movie. I'm sitting at a movie, and the movie's getting ready to start, and a guy leans over to my daughter, who, who's Aaliyah, and, and uh, the movie hasn't even started yet, and he goes, man, you're really not gonna shut up, are you? And I'm like, did you, did you see her father sitting right here? I looked at him, and I said, bro, like, she's my child. If you wanna say something to her, you say something to me. And it would have been fine if I left it there, but I didn't leave it there. <laughs> Aaliyah starts crying. And now I'm in, I'm like in that part of my brain that would send me to jail like that. And she's crying. I look, I'm like, hey, babe, you want to leave? And she's like, yeah, I want to leave. And she, she, gets, she gets up. And, and, and when she gets up, I go stand in front of him. The movie's playing. I'm standing in front of him. And he's, he's sitting in his little lean back, you know, at the theater at AMC. Now they got those seats that lean back. And he's sitting there in his lean back theater, theater chair. And I'm looking at him and he won't look at me. And his friend looks at me. I said, you want to say something? He looks down like that. And I just stood there for two minutes. <laughs> Who is this person? It's a person being led by their feelings and not by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what did I do? I, I, I found every reason I could to justify what I did. Well, I mean, if he was talking to me, I would have been okay, but he was talking to my daughter. And you know, you push that button, you're gonna get the bull, you know. you. <laughs> and, and we do, don't we? We all do. You do just like I do. You do something wrong, the Spirit of God convicts you, you feel bad about it, but you start to justify it because, hey, 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 any other dad, I'm just being a dad, I'm just being a... No, you're not. You're being a human being ruled by your flesh and your feelings. And so I have to make up in my mind, am I going to let the Holy Spirit convict me of that? Can you convict me of anything else but that? I want to hold on to that. Because that makes me feel that makes me feel awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in the car. Yeah, he wasn't about to do nothing. He didn't want about to. <laughs> and the next morning I'm up here. Hey, let's talk about how to deal with difficult people. That's real, isn't it? So we gotta let the Holy Spirit convict us. I have to let him deal with the parts of me that I don't want to deal with. And, and sometimes God will let those types of things happen because, because, watch this, he'll expose you not to hurt you, but to change you. And those things are not things that just show up in a movie theater or at a restaurant. Those are things that are happening on the inside of me way before I ever get to the movie theater, way before I ever get to the restaurant. I'm not letting him deal with me. It, those are things that are happening when somebody cuts me off and, and, and those are things that are happening when somebody says something to me and I just, and then, and then what do I do? Sometimes I'm like, well, at least I didn't. It could have been worse, but. I mean, God, I, I could have punched him, but I didn't. I mean, come on, give me some props. Like, I'm growing. <laughs> no. No. That's not growth. That's an excuse. I've got to, I've got to let him convict me. And, and the reason I've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit like this, I've got to let him convict me like this, because there is a difference between a season and a cycle. A season changes with time, but a cycle doesn't change until I do. 
And so many, so many things in our life we call seasons. I'm just, I'm, you know, that was just, I'm just in a season. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're in a cycle. If it was a season, it would have stopped with some time. But you're in a cycle. A season has become a cycle. And now you're trapped until you begin to respond to conviction. Romans 8, 14 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I need to respond to his conviction because when I, if I'm full of him, then I won't do things like I did in that theater. I won't do things like I did at that restaurant because I, I'll know where my identity comes from. I don't need the guy in the theater to know who I am. I don't need to intimidate anybody. I, I, I don't need to get back at anybody. I, I, don't, I don't need to respond to people who are criticizing me. Why? Because I know who I am in Christ. What you do, what you say does not truly matter. And, and that's why I need to be filled with the Spirit because the Spirit of God gives me my identity. It says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I'm whole whether or not you recognize me. I'm, I'm whole whether or not you, you like me. I'm, I'm whole if you, if you talk bad about me. I'm whole if you look at my daughter and you say something rude. I'm whole. I'm whole. I, I don't need to prove anything to you. I don't need, and that night I thought, you know, she probably thinks, you know, she's probably like, yeah, my dad took up for me. No, in, in reality, when, when we talked, that wasn't what she felt. She was afraid. She was afraid that I was gonna get in trouble. She was like, oh, look at my dad. He's taking up. For no, she was like, my dad is gonna get arrested and it's gonna be my fault. Come on. So, so we've got to get our identity because my actions are a result of how I see myself. The decisions I'm making are the result of how I see myself. And am I telling me who I am or am I allowing the Holy Spirit to define me? Because when I know who I am, it changes what I pursue. I find out sometimes like when those types of things happen, it's because my pursuits are wrong. I didn't show up to that theater with the right mindset. I, I didn't show up to that restaurant with the right mindset. Sometimes we don't show up to situations with the right mindset because we don't really know who we are. And when we get in a situation, we start to try to find ourselves in that situation. We do all kinds of, all kinds of stupid things when we're trying to find ourselves. But if I can get my identity right, then I'll chase the right things. Yeah, I probably still would have left the theater because my daughter was crying, but I would have taken her out and said, hey, listen, baby, those types of people, there's no reason to give them the time of day. You just move on. Let's go get our money back and we'll come back to the movie another time. Will you stand with me? Man. I need to change what I pursue.
Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you for not giving up on us. My God, thank you for seeing all of the stupid we have done and all of the pain we have caused and and still yet you chase after us. I'm thankful because the Bible teaches me that if I belong to you, then you'll continue to discipline me. One time my son was really upset because the coaches in his sport seemed to single him out and call him out constantly and yell at him constantly. And he said, dad, they won't, they won't stop. They won't stop talking to me. And I looked at him and said, son, I don't think them talking to you is the thing you need to worry about. I think the thing you need to worry about is when they stop talking to you. Because if they stop talking to you, it probably means they don't care. And God, I'm thankful today that through your word and by your spirit, you're still talking to us. It might be painful. It might seem like discipline. It might seem like chastising. It, it might feel like that. But God, thank you that you didn't leave me to myself, but you keep talking to me. Because if you keep talking to me and disciplining me, then I know you care. God, I know you care about me because you want me You want me to not be the best version of me. You want me to represent your son the way I should represent your son. Help us to respond to conviction. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. I love you. You're dismissed. If there's anybody in the room that needs prayer, you want to talk to somebody, we'd love to meet you, pray with you. We've got a prayer team up front who'd love to connect with you. So don't leave if you need prayer. Love you all. See you very, very soon.